Hey you guys, welcome back to another episode of Off Kilter No Filter. I am your host, Byron Alexander, joined by my awesome ass co-host, Mrs. Tammy yeah. Chase. That's me. <laughs> and this week we are continuing our music conversation because um, it's just so much fun and I can talk music for a good while. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, as somebody who's put out an album and wanted to be in the music industry at one point and still wants to do entertainment, but recognizes that the entertainment industry is shifting. Um, it, I mean, it's always shifting, but definitely in the past, eh, I'll give it around 20. Um, there have been major shifts, especially within the last 10 years. Um, and so the music industry as I knew it, or as I perceived it, I should say, doesn't exist anymore. Um, at least not to the extent, um, as I like to call the MTV era artist, yeah. That yeah. that's no longer a thing. Because uh, right. MTV right. is no longer a thing. I mean, not, not, it's not music television yeah, it's not music anymore. television, not like it used to be. Mm-mm. I always laugh when they have VMAs. I'm like, but you don't play music videos, so <laughs> what's the point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anywho, um, so yeah, so we're gonna continue uh, our music conversation, um, especially because there there are a few artists in particular that kind of exemplify the transitions or shifts that were being made or that were happening rather in the music industry um, in the early 2000s or what, what, mm-hmm. what are they called? The aughts. The that aughts. Sounds, the aughts. <laughs> that sounds so weird to me, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, <laughs> into the early 2010s because the sound scan era was in the mid 90s till the early aughts. I want to say, I'll give it around like 94 to 2004. You Mm -hmm. could probably like inch a couple more years out of that, but yeah, to keep it simple, we'll just say a 10 year period. So 1994 to 2004. Um, Yeah. But then in that kind of gap period um, from like 2004 to about 2008, roughly. Um, that was kind of the transitional period from the sound scan era to the digital era. Mm-hmm. And so this is where you really start to see the shifts um, from like physical sales really impact um, music artists um, and you see technology shift um, to put more power in the hands of the consumer. You had seen that kind of start with Napster and Bear Share yeah. and Kazaa and stuff but um, and that was very impactful obviously but you really start to see the, the momentum really carry um, in the later the later uh, aughts Um, because you get iTunes you get Mm -hmm. uh, that was the biggest one iTunes because now he's like you can pay for just the song that you want you know you can pay 99 cents 
I think it was 99 cents at the time. Yeah, um, I think it was too. Right? Instead of buying the entire album, and if you choose to buy the entire album, then you don't have to pay for the songs you already paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a cool little model, I guess. But because of that, um, you started to see like a lot of the MTV era artists uh, try and keep up with technology in a way. Like REM, just for example. They had put out an album, and it was one of those things. It's like pay whatever you want model. It's like if you think it's worth a dollar, pay a dollar. If you think it's worth a hundred dollars, pay a hundred dollars. If you think it's worth two cents, pay two cents. But mm-hmm. um, you would see uh, promotions like that. Um, where I'm going with all of that is you also get, for example, the Pussycat Dolls. I use them because they're unique, not unique, but they're an interesting case of a manufactured group that saw popularity rather quick Mm -hmm. and then disappeared almost as fast and disappeared in the sense that it's like they weren't, they were no longer putting out music, right? It's like, we still know, most people know who the Pussycat Dolls are. Um, I've heard of them. Right, I should say, generally speaking, like like you you've heard of them, yeah. It's like you know the mm-hmm. group name, um, and you would know a song or two if you heard it on the radio. It's like, oh yeah, that's them. I remember that song. Um, but in conjunction with our our previous episode, where it's like the the hits don't hit as hard as they used to. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Right, the Pussycat Dolls is an example of how. Um, because the industry was shifting, they had hits, especially off their first their first album, but they did not last. So, Pussycat Dolls come out in 2005, mm-hmm. um, and their first single is Don't Ya, which is written by CeeLo, apparently. I did not know this, but CeeLo's like, yeah, I wrote that. Him and... Mm-hmm. Uh, one of his protégés. I can't remember her name, but I, I apologize. But um, he wrote the song for them, and he wrote the song actually for her. But um, it was one of those things where it just wasn't hitting the right way. Like, I guess the presentation wasn't right uh, for that particular artist. And so they shopped it around. And the way that CeeLo tells the story is like, well, they gave it to the Pussycat Dolls, and now it gives it a new dynamic because it's now it's playing into the fantasy. It's like, well, you can have this one, you can have that one, and what about this one? Because there's six girls in the group. Yeah. And so the song is saying, like, don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? If one person is singing it, that has one dynamic, but if six people are singing it, that gives it a whole new dimension. Again, this is how CeeLo tells the story, which I can understand yeah. what he's saying. Sure. All right. So... Pussycat Dolls come out in 2005. That's their first single. It becomes a hit. Their album comes out in 2005. And this is still in an era where the powers that be are trying to push people. They've scaled back, again, because of Napster and stuff like that. But with the Pussycat Dolls kind of having a little bit of traction, too, as a... uh, Before they were, like, the Pussycat Dolls girl group or whatever... Mm -hmm. Um, the creator of the group, Robin Anton, she had like a, it was like basically like a, a burlesque show kind of. 
and that's where the the idea of the Pussycat Dolls originated. Like she's the founder, and that was it was a stage show. Okay. Um, but they turned it into a girl group, and so she was involved with uh, with them to a to a degree. Um, and so the album comes out, and then it had five or six singles that were top ten Billboard hits, if not number one. Um, I say this like I can't look it up. I always do this, but <laughs> yeah. oh man, let me see. Uh, P what was the, the first one was PCD. PCD. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, two thousand and five. It had six. So don't you was first. Mm-hmm. Stick with you came out second. Uh, it came out later that year. Uh, Beep came out in two thousand and six. Buttons. Came out in 2006. You know that one if you heard it. Uh, well, I, I'm the only one I recognize off, off just off the top of my head is Don't You. Mm-hmm. You did so, Don't You, right? You know, I'm telling you to loosen up my buttons, baby, but you keep fronting that one. You'd know it if you heard it. Maybe I don't know though because I wasn't listening to the radio or anything during this time period. Ah, all right. Well, the listeners might know. Hey, sing along. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Um, There's another one, I Don't Need a Man, which I don't remember, and Wait a Minute, which I kind of remember. So those were released um, later in in 2006. So for a year, because Don't You came out in April of 2005, and the last Mm -hmm. single, Wait a Minute, came out in October of 2006, um, the Pussycat Dolls were kind of everywhere. And that was still at like the tail end of the era where albums would have multiple singles released for them, especially, um, you know, if you're really trying to capitalize on a particular image or a particular artist, in this case, a group. Mm -hmm. Right. That's 2005 into 2006. In 2008, they put out their second album called Doll Domination. Doll Domination. Yes. This one has five singles from it. And they were all, they they all were released in 2008, except for one. Bottle Pop was released in 2009. But I'm looking at when they were released, like the dates and the, the windows are a lot shorter. So, for example... On their first album, Don't You comes out April 19th of 2005. And Don't You, again, is a big hit for them, right? Yeah. Stick With You comes out as the follow-up single September two, uh, September 26th of 2005. So now that people have kind of gotten tired of Don't You or whatever, and Don't You and Don't you is like a fun, upbeat song, Stick With yeah. You is supposed to be kind of like the, the more reserved ballad type of single. Yeah. Right? The ones you can mm-hmm. you can slow dance uh, uh, to at at a, at a school function or whatever. All right, Beep comes out the next year in February. So April is the first single, and then what? Six months later is your second single, almost yeah. Six months later, and then four months after that in February, or five months after that in February, uh, February your third single comes out. And Beep must not have been as big as a hit because then Buttons comes out as the fourth single in April of 2006. 
that stayed out until I Don't Need a Man came out in September of 2006, September 9th. And then Wait a Minute comes out October 16th. So then as somebody who's looked at music and whatever, that gives me the impression that Don't You Stick With You and Buttons were the big singles, whereas Beep, I Don't Need a Man and Wait a Minute, Wait a Minute were, uh, were the, uh, not as strong of singles. Cause like they right. put it out there just to kind of like keep the keep the album going and to keep the mm-hmm. the name out there. But the ones oh, that, yeah. the singles that carried the album were "Don't You uh, Stick with You" and "Buttons," right? Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. right. So I say all of that in comparison to "Doll Domination." Here are the dates. "When I Grow Up" was the first single, and that came out in May of two thousand and eight, May twenty seventh. Okay. What you think about that is the second single. That came out in September of 2008, September 9th. So that gives okay. you about five months, right? Five months, yeah, yeah. Okay. Out of this club comes out October 12th of 2008. Oh. Wow, okay. that's like a bang. Uh-huh. Bang, bang. Right? Yeah. But then I Hate This Part comes out October 14th of 2008. <gasps> no. And I don't like even remember that song. Back. Yeah. And then Bottle Pop comes out in February of 2009. So to me, uh, and Doll Domination did not do as well as as their first album. And we can get into all that later. But When I Grow Up was a big hit for them um, when it when it came out. But that was what really carried the album, because what you think about that came out in September but then basically just to kind of run through the rest of the album, they put out yeah. three more singles. Uh, really just what out of out of like contractual agreements, it seems it's like that those songs did not have the same kind of staying power as the previous album did. And it's very interesting because the Pussycat Dolls as a as a group or as a concept yeah. wasn't really designed to last that long. They were put together. It wasn't like five or six high school friends or besties, or whatever, right? Let's go start a girl group. Exactly. They were, they were <clears throat> pieced together. And I had watched a, uh, a behind the music type of, of show on YouTube mm-hmm. talking about the pussycat dolls and how the the lead singer Nicole Scherzinger, um, she wanted to be a solo artist first, but she was one of the people who were kind of like she was struggling on her own, like she was just kind of mm-hmm. like in limbo in the music industry, mm-hmm. and she was actually doing some acting at the time, um, but she got put into the group, and the powers that be basically put her at the forefront of it, so she kind of became the unofficial lead singer yeah. uh, and leader of the group and you can tell uh the transition because in the first album or during the first album it's more about the group even though nicole is like singing lead um there's more emphasis because again there's trying to sell the idea the fantasy like you can have this one how about this one how about that one right mm, yeah gross but yeah it is uh, well i mean this is well they too- do that with the boy bands too so you know yeah you could, right yeah. and this is still 2005 um, so we're not having conversations about about 
all the stuff we're having <laughs> conversations about now. But well, anyway. And, and you have to have those girl groups to balance out the boy groups. Right. So The NSYNC's 98 degrees and all that shit. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was kind of filling a void because uh, the only other girl group as far as like pop or and and then that had um any kind of presence was destiny's child and by 2005 they had kind of not broken up but taken a break and like beyonce's out um you know doing her solo thing all the girls are kind of doing their own thing or whatever so in order to fill that void here come the pussycat dolls you can see that in the first album by the second album it's mostly nicole and the background Basically, like Nicole's up front and then the other girls are like her backup singers or backup dancers, even to the point where I remember on VH1 when they still played music videos. Right. um, Yeah. (laughs) They would announce it as Nicole Scherzinger featuring the Pussycat Dolls. I was like, "Ooh, oh, no. How did the other Pussycat Dolls like that? They didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They did it. Uh, no. So much so that they they broke up the following mm-hmm. year in 2009, which also is uh, is showing me why they why the powers that be put out the singles that they put out in in the way that they put them out was just basically all right it's done just here put this out put this out we'll get we'll try to get some of our money back from this album but they're basically done right. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like remember in the 80s and maybe the early 90s when you'd hear like. So and so is a manufactured artist. Yeah. Well, that's the Pussycat Dolls, right? Mm-hmm. It's like they were put mm-hmm. together. They were manufactured. That was the whole point. And so, even though they had initial success, that was by design. But the thing was, the music that they put out was not designed to stand the test of time. Right. Now, if they come on, the, if the songs come on the radio, it's like there's a nostalgia factor. Sure. You know, so I mean, you can still like well, the song, but so so as an, another example of that is mm-hmm. is the song Milkshake. Mm-hmm. It's like you know you're listening to it, and you're like, oh, I like the I like the background music of that, and then you're like, oh, my milkshake brings all the boys, and then after a while, you're like, all right, I could go another five years without hearing that thing again. Uh huh. Which is because, funny because it's making a comeback. <laughs> yeah, well, of course it is. Of course it is. But then again, you know, so lots of lots of other songs did. But they're, you know, a one-hit wonder is a one-hit wonder. I don't know. I, I say that, but I don't know. Did that artist have more than that hit? Because, you know, I was, again, slightly out of touch with, with you know, modern music at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still am. Because to me, it was like, okay, there's a few bright, kind of interesting, you know, sounding uh, songs like Milkshake. Mm-hmm. And for the Pussycat Dolls. The only one I, you know, I'm remembering some of them now. The only one I like is, is, uh, uh, won't you? Don't you? Yeah, that's the only one I actually kind of like. The other one, and, and that, because it had a different sound. Mm-hmm. But all the rest of Pussycat Dolls, honestly, sounded a lot like Destiny's Child to me, and vice versa. Yes. So it was like, to me, it was like, okay, so who is that? Okay, it's this one? Nah, that's all right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, they all sound the same to me. But by then, you know, I, by 2008, God, Liam was four. Mm-hmm. So I was like ugh, almost 40. <laughs> so, you know, my my concept of of music that'll stand the test of time is still kind of old-fashioned. Right. Uh compared to to that which okay, but at the same time I do know 
that you know there's lots of things that came out and there's lots of stuff that's coming out now that I just I don't see and we talked about this I don't see how anybody's going to give a shit about that 10 years from now exactly it's you not know, they're, they're, they're not going to go oh okay they're not going to be sitting there going okay I live in Key West Florida this is kind of an example okay I live in Key West Florida and going there's there's more bars here than there is anything else right Mm-hmm. And we we like to go on Friday nights. That's our night out. And so we go to all these, and they all have live music, right? So you go into the live music, and there's a couple bars that I go in. I'm like, I have no idea what they what they're playing, but come to find out, everybody else does. And oh, by the way, it's country. Okay, fine, that's cool, whatever. But if you go into all the bars that I go to, I promise you, they're not playing a Pussycat Dolls song, right? They are strumming on their guitar. They're strumming something from the Beatles, from the Rolling Stones, uh, even Metallica. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're doing the songs that stand the test of time that everybody knows. You know, a lot of Eagles, of course, and, of course, Jimmy Buffett, you know. But, mm-hmm. but the songs that, like, lots of people grew up with. And there's the, the, the strip gets really, Duval Street gets really, really young and dumb the older, the later it gets. <laughs> so like we, we leave the, we leave the, the street around uh, before midnight because seriously, it gets younger and dumber the later it gets. So you've got kids that are barely 21, maybe 22, up to like 30 roaming the street down there. And guess what they're listening to? It's still not the shit that's on the radio. Mm. It's still... You, the you know the stuff evidently that their grandparents listen to, because <laughs> I'm in that age group now, but but t- so to me that that means a lot because it's like okay and then the other places that pipe in music or even have a jukebox because some of them still do, people are not requesting things that are on the radio now and they're not requesting things that were on the radio like Pussycat Dolls or any of that kind of stuff they're right. just not, mm-hmm. and so to me that that's like a uh, test, you know, standing the test of time. Also, is are people going to repeat that music when they do their own shows? Because if they do, you know, nobody does a a <laughs> nobody does a uh, 2008 pop music revival. But there's going to be a uh, 1980s, 1970s, and 1980s rock band revival that comes here during Fantasy Fest week. Right. And they're going to play all the songs that are like by ACDC. You know, uh, Bon Jovi, all that stuff. But yeah, I don't see one for like New Kids on the Block, and that nobody's doing. Nobody's, nobody's doing a revival of the girl and boy bands no. of the night of the aughts. <laughs> the closest you could probably get is somebody would do No Scrubs, and I think more so because that's well, just yeah. because of the because it now it's like such a karaoke type song, um, and and that's no diss to to TLC. I just mean more so like Scrubs is No Scrubs has become such a part of pop culture that if somebody started singing it I think most people in the bar would start singing along of a, even maybe if, maybe maybe yeah maybe because even if they're a certain age I think it's like people know what that is well sure 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 and there's there's gonna always be those exceptions right mm-hmm. I mean that obviously there's always gonna be those exceptions like TLC but TLC actually made a made a mark for themselves when they fought against Pebbles for yes. their, the rights to their music and shit. So that, that helps too, though, because mm-hmm. that put their name 
in 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 the news all the time for something else that people were like why are they wow why are they doing this i gotta listen to their stuff you know and then they would listen to their stuff because they're in the news Mm -hmm. about fighting for this same thing happened to prince yes prince was everywhere in the 80s but would he have stood the test of time had he not changed his name right probably not it's a possibility he wouldn't he wouldn't Of, of course you know people like me think he's a musical genius but that doesn't mean other people he would like he would like because he did kind of fall off for a while mm-hmm. the 2000s aren't a big a, you know the aughts aren't a big decade for prince right and so but you know he's iconic because he fought for that but it kept his name relevant and out there to where people listen to it so yes people redo some of his stuff but I don't. I don't know what's out there right now, and I'm. I don't care. <laughs> right, and also like the people that we that we extol are both MTV era artists and 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 prior to MTV. So like the like we said in our last episode, the the apparatus was a lot different. The environment was a lot different because you didn't have as many outlets for music as you do moving forward into the aughts and the 2010s, right? Right, right. So it's like, especially when social media now becomes uh, social media in 2010, 2011, um, and YouTube is starting to get its legs where music videos are now more prominent on YouTube. Because when mm-hmm. YouTube started, um, I think the most that you could post was like a 10 second video, maybe 15 seconds. Yeah, it was it was short, yeah. very short, yeah. Um and now like, you got like V, v was it? Yeah, Vivo? now you can watch all that. Isn't that like the number one? Yeah. yeah. V, well, and on YouTube now you can watch, you know, 8 hours worth of content, 10 hours worth of content in one video. I mean, it Yeah. It goes. Yeah, yeah I've done it. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I the, put I put some stuff on for my dog. Not yeah. not my new one, not my puppy, but Wit used to be afraid of thunderstorms. So if there was a thunderstorm for like two, three, four hours, mm-hmm. they've they've got synthesized music for dogs. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> I to, to help them through a thunderstorm. Yeah. Or or waters rambling for ten hours yeah. to help you sleep. Yeah. Like you know what? Yep. Why not? Yeah, instead of buying a white noise machine, just put fucking YouTube on. Yeah. Mine. Yep. Yeah. No, works, I'm down with it. <laughs> works for me. Yeah. Um, so, but in all of that, you have um, people uploading music videos, companies uploading music videos, and everything mm-hmm. like that. So you have YouTube. You have then you have Facebook. Then you have Instagram and Twitter when it was still Twitter, and <laughs> yeah, you know, and then it just keeps going from Snapchat uh, now TikTok. Blah 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 blah. The point is, you have a myriad of ways to to consume music, and and yeah. because the algorithm is doing what you want it to do. It caters what music you listen to. So it'll feed you if you want to listen to Prince uh, and Prince uh, adjacent artists or whatever. The algorithm will feed you that. So it's mm-hmm. it silos people off. That way it's like, well, what is the new stuff out there? I don't know. I don't really care. I'm listening to the stuff that I want to listen to. It's custom right, made. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. as um, Calvin Michaels said in the video, it's like that that um cohesiveness he said it better but basically that cohesiveness of pop culture from let's say at least the 1970s through the 1990s or well the early 2000s i I always give it 
the MTV era is 1981 to like 2011. I was like 30 years. Okay, sure. Um, I always give it 30 years, but we'll we'll go back and we'll say like 1970 to 2010, as okay. far as it being like uh, uh, nah, I guess being like a, a cohesive place. Uh, uh, a centralized market. That's what I'm looking for. Like a centralized place to find music or to listen to music. Because mm-hmm. like, even if you weren't into everything that was out during that period, you still knew of it. Whereas, yeah. of course, yeah, now, true. right? I'm like, I just heard of Doja Cat and heard an actual Doja Cat song, which I actually kind of like. But <laughs> I'm like, who the hell is Doja Cat? Right. Or yeah, yeah. I've heard um, of her, but I've I've never listened to anything of hers. Right? Or um Meg the Stallion. I know of Meg mm-hmm. the Stallion. I did finally hear a Meg the Stallion song, but excuse me. Um but even rappers like Hobson. The only reason why I, I know I don't of, know that person. Exactly. The only reason why I know of him is because my trainer at the time really liked him and uh showed me his YouTube channel. But like I've said before, I have an album out there and I always promote it on this podcast. Mm -hmm. But if uh, I didn't and um, and I didn't have it on streaming or whatever, you wouldn't know that I had an album. You wouldn't know where to find it. Right. And it's out there. It's on YouTube. It's on Google and everything. But you have to know to look for me. And there are plenty of people, especially now. Um, because it's it's decentralized, right? You, you can make music in your basement if you wanted mm-hmm. to, right? And people mm-hmm. have been uh, people have been doing it now, and have been doing it at a at a faster rate than they were in the eighties and nineties. Well, don't that's what we talked about with that that those short little clips, you know, short little things that people post, right? Mm-hmm. Where they mm-hmm. where they record stuff and then they they put it on TikTok. Yep. Yeah. Because you don't, the technology um, has advanced so much that you can do it quite cheaply and almost mm-hmm. essentially for free. The only thing you need is a computer or a smartphone, which is basically a computer, yeah, right? Which everybody, most everybody has. Most, yeah, most exactly. People I mean, have, yeah. You, you and I are using a free program for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody can make a po- you know, Anybody can make content now because it is like the the platform that we use is is free mm-hmm. and you know you can there's always <clears throat> the paid option but there's so many different things that the free option can do there's no 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 reason to get the the paid one yeah paid option and because it's free I'll, I'll even say it I mean we use audacity and it's 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 working out really well I mean there's just so much that you can do with it I I don't even I don't even I've never even delved into all the stuff that audacity can do uh, with the free part Mm-hmm. It's just it's so there's so much to it. So yeah, anybody can make can create content now for yep. sure. Mm-hmm. And it's I'm not really versed in this conversation. I've been seeing certain people talk about it, but it goes over my head. But I guess it's it's this whole postmodernism conversation. I I haven't heard the what is that? Yeah, I mean, so, I, and I know what postmodernism is technically, but how's it mm-hmm. used in this content? Well. If I'm understanding it right, so there's my asterisk, there's my disclaimer, but if I'm understanding it right, (laughs) society entered the modern era in like the earliest 20th, the early 20th century, whereas like we were on like one accord, basically. 
like even though you didn't agree with everything there was like you knew what what reality was or what like like if i said the sky was blue nobody was going to tell me that it's purple okay. right gotcha yeah basically but now um we've moved into a space or society is shifting into a space where people will tell you the sky is purple right and not in a yeah, contrarian okay. way but like actually try and for them the world in their world the sky is purple and they can tell you why it's purple you know what i mean i mean that's not the mm -hmm, best example mm -hmm. but that's that's what i'm getting it. at right sure 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 right yeah. like uh you see it with politics um as crazy as it's gotten it's part of it is just because it's 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 e it's a lot easier um to to silo yourself off right like we're not talking about the same things anymore um the the analogy i always use is like if we're having a discussion or a debate modernism would have been hey we're going to disney world disney world right we're mm -hmm. only arguing over how we get there are we driving are we flying are we taking a bus are we walking are we teleporting whatever right mm -hmm. postmodernism is i'm going we want to go to disney world but we're going to go to Disneyland. Oh, no, I want to go to, to Six Flags. No, I want to go to Busch Gardens. No, I want to go to Dolly World, whatever. Okay. And we think we're talking okay. about the same thing because those are all amusement parks. But it's not Disney yeah. World. Yeah. That's the best way I can explain it. And please yeah. email in and tell me, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I might be wrong, but that's the, that's the gist of what I get postmodernism is. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But all of that being said, technology has progressed so much um, that whatever music you want to listen to, and it's kind of curated that way as well. Like when satellite uh, radio kind of became a thing, it's like you can listen to the Michael Jackson station, and I'll play Michael Jackson and other artists like Michael Jackson, right? Mm -hmm. and you can listen to the boy band station and it'll play all the boy bands from the 80s and 90s or the 70s, 80s, and 90s, whatever. There's some in the 60s. Exactly, right? Like the you, Beach Boys. I was going to say, you go from the yeah. Beach Boys to Boys to Men and on that channel, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can have, um, you know, different genres or whatever. Whereas, like, radio used to be... Um, a little bit more fluid in what it would play and mm -hmm. and there was a little bit more power among like regional uh radio stations yeah um apparently in 1996 under clinton i forget what it's called but there was uh there was like a telecommunications act or whatever under okay. that act that's where things started um homogenizing that's where Clear Channel and who's the other one? Cumulus um, mm -hmm. started consolidating these different uh, radio stations. Because remember, you can't have a monopoly, but it never said anything about a triopoly, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. It's, you know, it mm -hmm. could be con construed as a trust, but yeah, no, they're uh, they're not. Right? Well, because mm -hmm. there's there's only instead of it, okay, so how they get around this, right? You can't have yeah. one company controlling everything, but if you have three to five companies doing the same yeah. thing. Then, then that's considered competition, buddy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> because they're Whether it's not be, or not, but that's, 
but that's a trust though see that right. that's the thing is mm -hmm. it's it's really it's a modern day trust mm -hmm. well, versus the, monopoly it's the same thing with the music industry as far as the labels are concerned there are hundreds of labels but the main labels there used to be four it used to be sony warner brothers universal and emi mm -hmm. now there are only three because universal bought emi <laughs> yeah is it the universal or is it the universal or sony no it's universal it's universal emi now so there are only three major uh lab uh record labels three majors now under those labels you have independents or you have smaller like offshoots or whatever subsidiaries so for mm -hmm. example uh you have epic records that's the label michael jackson was on right epic records is owned by cbs records cbs records is owned by sony so when michael jackson went into tommy matola's office and said i'm out because you suck Mm -hmm. Tommy Toto, being the head of Sony, canceled all the promotion for Michael Jackson's uh, Invincible album. Right? Mm. That's how okay. that works. Uh, yeah. Prince sued Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers owns, uh, well, owns Purple Rain, but that's who his contract was with. But if mm -hmm. I, let me see, let me pull up the label that Prince was on because I don't think he was on Warner Brothers proper. Let me see, Purple Rain. The album. Uh, oh no, it was Warner Brothers. All right, I stand corrected. <clears throat> well, there you go. He still sued Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because right, Warner right. Brothers is owned by Warner Music Group. Yeah. Uh, same thing with, uh, for example, Puff Daddy or P Diddy, whatever he's calling himself. <laughs> um, his he owns Bad Boy. That's that is his label. However, mm -hmm. Bad Boy is owned by Warner Music Group. Ah, mm -hmm. tricky, mm -hmm. very tricky. So when you sign to a label, in his case, using him as an example, he's uh, his artist would be signed to Bad Boy. They would be quote unquote Bad Boy artists, which is fine. Your deal is with Puff Daddy and Bad Boy, mm -hmm. so you mm -hmm. are signed to a label. However, the money that funds that label is through Warner Music Group. <laughs> Warner Music Group owns Bad Boy. So this is where it gets like, and I'll spare you all the, the details here, but this is like how it gets dicey for artists. Because um, it's like, how many contracts are you signing? Who owns your work? Because it's not you. And it's written in a way so that it won't be you, or at least it won't be for quite some time. Um, and like who who actually employs you? Mm -hmm. You know, it gets convoluted on purpose because the whole point of it yes. is like to exploit, you know, your creativity. It is your work. But when you're in the music business, yeah, they may have paid you up front, but it's an advance. They paid you a few million dollars which is more money than you've ever had before. And that sounds like a good deal until you remember it's an advance. So they're paying you a few million or even $10 million to produce an album. 
So you're, they're giving you the money. That's your budget to produce the album. There's also this thing called taxes. So cut it in half. Yeah. 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 So, mm-hmm. so that's how people get caught up uh, in the industry. It's not because they're spendthrifts. It's not because, um, you know, they're just bad with money. It's because the mm-hmm. deal that they get from the, from the onset is a bad deal. Or at least some kind of nebulous deal where it's like it's not good or bad until, you know, the impact hits you, right? Mm-hmm. If it if the impact hits you, it's not, you know, it's not going to bankrupt you and it's not um, something that you can't absorb or whatever. Then you're like, oh, yeah, then, okay, yeah, I mean, that's fine. I, I thought I have a little bit more money, but I'm good. <laughs> I'm happy. Versus, yeah. for an example, like TLC, where... Yeah. They made, they sold 10 million records, but the way that their contract was set up and how many people had their hands in the pie, right? And Uncle Sam, yeah. Uncle Sam still gets their cut. Well, sure. they get it first. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the end of it, this is how you end up $200,000 in the red. And you sold yeah. 10 million records. What? Right. And this exactly. is 1995 money. So, shoot, albums was like, what, $25? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Yep, yep. So I say all of that to say, with examples like the Pussycat Dolls or TLC, even Michael Jackson, he wasn't bankrupt or anything, but reading um, his history and stuff, he uh, he did not own some of his records. A lot right. of his records, actually. Um, You know, The Way You Make Me Feel is one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs, but he didn't own that. He was supposed to get the rights to it in 2001, but uh, there is a loophole in his contract uh, that (sighs) extended exactly that extended that ownership to the label, which is why he went to Tommy Mottola and said, F y'all, I'm out. Yeah. This is also why artists, in particular Michael Jackson, why they buy other people's masters. That's how you make your money if you own it. So that's why part of the reason why Michael Jackson had the Beatles catalog. It went up for sale and Paul McCartney's mad because he bet Michael Jackson that he couldn't buy it. And Michael said, all right, I'll show you. And he bought it. But (laughs) I I was like, well, I mean, you, you can be mad, Paul, but hey, you made the bet and you lost. I'm sorry. But, and who better to have it though? I mean, I, wouldn't you? I, I don't know, right? Who better to have it? Thank I mean, you. like God, it's Michael fucking Jackson. He's not gonna, you know, claim his, that, that shit. So I know, right? But it's more of a collector thing. Well, and uh, I know he did like a. Well, now that he owns it, it's like well, he could do whatever he wanted with it. But right. he um, he bought apparently he bought um, stake in the the bond. Uh, franchise, so mm-hmm. like when it, when Bond makes um, music and in the movies and stuff like that, Michael Jackson got a cut of that. Um, yeah, so. yep. that's smart business practices right there. Yes, and as that's somebody who grew smart up, business as somebody who grew up in the industry, is like he knew how the thing worked. There's a yep. whole conspiracy theory, of course, where it's like the reason why he's being accused of child molestation and why he died is because he upset the powers that be. Obviously, we'll never know that. I can see where they're coming from with that, but mm-hmm. without any, you know, concrete evidence or anything like that, I'm not on this yeah. podcast. I'm not going to say like 
I think they're right. I can say, <laughs> or I will say, I understand where they're coming from and what I've read about the music industry and just from every freaking uh, um, behind the music. I'm like, it may not be that exactly, but y'all might be close. I'm just saying. <laughs> because every behind the music when it comes to contracts and who owns what and how the music industry operates there's a consistency i'm just saying it's like hmm it is it is very convoluted right and mm-hmm. tying it back to uh like the hits just don't hit the same i think part of it not only not only because technology has progressed but also because there's a lot more transparency now or at least access to transparency mm-hmm. um than there was 25 30 years ago um, the music industry or the powers that be in the music industry are having a harder time you know fooling us right because their yeah. job is yeah. to sell us this music you know, their job is to package it in such a way that we want to buy it. Um, and Especially 13-year-old girls. Yeah. They're like a major demographic. Mm-hmm. Always have been. Mm-hmm. 13-year-old girls. If you ever want to make a buck as a musician, target 13-year-old girls. Mm-hmm. And make them either be really pretty women that they want to emulate or really cute boys that they want to do stuff. There you go. <laughs> I was they, trying to find they, a word that st- rhymed with emulate. I was like, <laughs> Stimulate, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so, so yes. I mean, you know, you need, to, you need to either give these girls wet dreams or make them ashamed of their own bodies and want to live look like these people who are impossible to look like. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's what does it. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the whole... And now so, they've got... They, they, they can go out and get, like you said, they can go out and get, you know, whatever they need as far as musically. You know, Spotify... Is mm-hmm. I love Spotify. Spotify is like my best friend. Mm-hmm. I love that every single morning on my way to work. You know when I'm got headphones on. I mean I just I I I love Spotify because I like liking all the songs that I like and then having a playlist. Uh, I just like it. Yeah. And like so Pandora that makes it different though. Mm-hmm. And that makes but you know living in a place that I do where there's so much live music it does help because then there's a collectiveness with that live music, right? Mm-hmm. With the people that I'm around. However, if you don't listen, go to someplace or you're not old enough to go to someplace to listen to live music, you do lose that kind of uh, camaraderie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, and we've talked about this before, but um, it's kind of like back when I was a kid, I would call my friend Allison and I would say, Allison, I got the new Prince album. And she would rush over to my house and we would sit there and listen to it together and look at all the pictures or whatever that was in the, the uh, album cover. Mm-hmm. Because album covers were a thing. You, get, you read all through it. You read all everything. Sometimes they came with little booklets. You know, sometimes there's pictures like Prince's 1999 album. It's got, you know, sex all over it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but the, the, the numbers 1999 have all kinds of pictures that are woven inside them. You know, so we would sit there and we would, we would, you know, talk about it. So you, you, because people are, I mean, people, some people are putting out vinyl, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not like it was. Um, once CDs came out, you kind of lost that. You did. Because 
the CD, yeah. CD um, album CD covers are so tiny, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> now, there yeah. is a musician who has advocated, who did start his own uh, record label, and it's not owned by anybody else, just he and a partner. And then he, he did uh, advocate about, uh, or talk about, the loss of camaraderie with that, mm-hmm. with, with an album, especially. Um, and that was Mike Patton. Okay. Lots of people would know him from, like, uh, Faith No More. Um, that was, like, his major band back when he was young, very young, in the 90s, <laughs> my age. <laughs> um, but that's, what, that's one of the reasons, like, like artists not owning their work. Mm-hmm. Like, he took a page out of, out of you know, Prince. He, he listened to what Prince said, basically, mm-hmm. and, and to what happened with TLC. And he and a friend started Ipecac Recordings for the very, that very reason. That way, all the artists that are under their label own their master copies. You see they just that. use Ip, 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 Ipecac. They only use Ipecac, you know, for for production purposes. Mm-hmm. But all the artists—that's what they brag about. All the artists own their own work. That was kind of a movement in the '90s because that even mm-hmm. transferred to the comic book industry. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. you had DC and Marvel, where like, if DC and Marvel. Um, where the two major publishers, that would be the same thing as like a Sony and a Warner Brothers in the music mm-hmm, industry. Mm-hmm. Well, then yeah. here comes Image Comics, which was started by former DC and Marvel artists. And their main thing was the, any artist who draws for them owns their work because mm-hmm. Marvel and DC um, had it set up in their contract that whatever characters you created, they own. Because in their mind, it's like you created these characters for them, which is true. But the problem uh, being, of course, that it's the creator's work and the companies are the ones that are making the millions of dollars off of that creation where, where the creator is not making any money or very little. The, the ratio is, is way off. Because the, com- the publishing company, of course, is license- licensing that character's likeness for toys and video games and movies sure. and, mm-hmm. you know, and all, all of that. All the good stuff. All that yeah. good stuff. And all that money is going towards the, to the company. The company may give you a little bit of that or have it usually in these contracts. It says, we'll pay you $500,000. For this character or whatever. It's usually not that much. But if they were feeling really generous, right? $500,000 does sound like a lot of money. And it is. Right? Well, it is is up front. Right, exactly. Because that's the gotcha. In the long run, though, they'll be making $500 million. Yeah, exactly. That's a lot different. Yeah, exactly. So those creators were like, man, fuck that. I don't. I don't get to own any of my stuff and you're making, you're profiting, you know, hand over fist from that. I'm out. And so they created image comics. So it's the, you know, it's that same story. You saw the, and again, like the transparency. um, I think part of that too is like generational where a lot of those creators grew up in the Watergate or post Watergate Mm -hmm. era. Right. So don't like, trust your government kids. Yeah, right. Don't trust the powers that be question everything and mm-hmm. you know, really mm-hmm. stick it to the man Thank type you, of George thing. George Carlin, yeah. 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 Um and so they grew up doing that. Millennials grew up watching that and so we yeah. kind of perpetuated that as well to a degree. You know, Gen Z sees that as well. And this is part of the reason why you see 
um, the powers that be panicking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good. This I is, hope they do. Yeah, well, this is why you get all of your moral panics because there's nothing else. The truth is oh. that the powers that be fucking suck. They fucking yep. suck because the power structure that they are in control of is garbage. It always has been. Mm -hmm. And people can see it and articulate it in a way that they couldn't before. So in order to distract you, as Toni Morrison says, racism is a distraction. Well, in order to do that, we'll throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. So yep. here you go. Here's the satanic panic in the 80s. Here's the gay panic in the 90s. I mean, we also mm -hmm. had it in the 50s and 60s, but it's on steroids in the 90s. Right. Fast forward, you have the trans panic, the bathroom bills and all the other bullshit. You're banning <laughs> books, all of that crap. Like it's not new, but it's, it's just so all much at worse once. shit. It's yeah. just so much worse shit. Right. Well, because at the end of the day, the, the, the fact of the matter is or the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, yeah. you know, you know how this goes. You know what you're panic. doing. Right. Yeah. Well, and part of that moral panic um, or part of the um, the implementation of moral panics is projection. So that way, when you're accusing people, uh, or you accuse people of, you know, impropriety or whatever, and it's not because they're actually doing it; it's because you're the one doing it, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm gonna, it's like, if I'm if I'm stealing from you or whatever, it's like well, I'm not the one stealing; you're the one stealing. Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> how how you frame people as savages. Who's the savage? It's like, well, right. wait. If you broke into somebody's house and destroyed everything, and then gave them back a piece of what you destroyed, how are they the savage? But that's how the story is told, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I said what I said. So. Yeah. Um, well, let's wrap it up. Wrap it up. So. Yeah. With music, mm -hmm. um, or at least like, the hits don't hit the same, and with art, uh, I don't even want to call them artists, but entertainers and groups like yeah. the Pussycat, because <laughs> they're not artists. The, the, the Pussycat Dolls are not, they're not designed to be artists. No, there they're not be, writing that shit. They're not, <laughs> they're, well, not that, they're not designing that stuff. Right, and, and their sound is manufactured, it's crafted for them. Their and I think that's is, part that's part of the difference too that we were talking about with music that lasts and music that doesn't, you know, throw away music in a way. Mm -hmm. Because in the past, even the the girl and boy groups of the past, like the Beach Boys wrote their own shit. Mm -hmm. They 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 they're artists. They they did all that. They played the instruments, they, you know, did the thing, right? They didn't just go out there and dance and lip sync. Mm -hmm. You know. <laughs> At their concerts or whatever. And so I think that that's also a distinctive um, thing for more modern, I'm going to put it in air quotes, music. Mm -hmm. Because, again, we talked about this too, like the last time we talked about this. Um, because it was in the video of, of that, the, what's his name? Calvin Michaels. I like him a lot. Yes, okay. It was in his, his videos also. That, and we talked about this, about how a lot of these entertainers... They don't. They can't. They can't do it live, like, mm -hmm. and they and they don't do it live because they can't do it live. Right. So like, I mean, it's one thing to have these boy bands like, and I, I, for me, as far as throwaway music, the best, the best example of that besides the Pussycat Dolls is K-pop. 
Ah, that that mm-hmm. stuff is the most throwaway shit ever because honestly, all these little teeny bop girls, I promise you, 20 years from now will not remember one of their songs. Mm-hmm. And so, so they, those kids are not artists. They go out there and then they dance. If you want to talk about the dances, the choreographed dances that they do, mm-hmm. that's not their art either. They it's don't not. choreograph that either. No. So they are, they are, uh, I, I hate to say this, but they are the Millie Vanillies. They are. You know, the, like Millie Vanilli was, 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 was manufactured, but was manufactured. Yeah. But, it, but, and, and so all, even, even the Pussycat Dolls is manufactured, so they are, they mm-hmm. are like Millie Vanilli in a way. That might be her voice, mm-hmm. but that's it. There's right. like nothing else. And, and there's thing- no substance to it, and it feels, it feels fake. It feels like a, a house of cards to me. Yes. The, all that kind of music. Because, first of all, once you start <laughs> using auto-tune for every fucking thing in your song, mm-hmm. to me, there's, like, there's no authenticity to it. Mm-hmm. And one, Overuse of, of auto-tune is like, it's so sad. <laughs> one could argue, like if you're putting groups together, one could argue that Motown would be that. But the difference with Motown um, was that it was brand new at the time. Also, oh, you're talking was, because the music was written by somebody else? Well, so yeah, then but, the singers just sang it? Yeah, well, and because the whole, the whole package was crafted by Barry Gordy. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah, so the Supremes, okay. cause like, and, and this is coming from Diana Ross and Smokey Robinson. Right. So it's like, cause Barry Gordy's whole thing which was made, like, which in, well, that, that was the, the argument between Motown and Muscle Shoals. Wasn't that because Motown was much more manufactured and, and put out there to be mainstream on purpose mm-hmm. versus the stuff in Muscle Shoals, you know, down at uh, the, in the South, mm-hmm. like there was, like, there was like two like competing ideas yeah 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 whereas the ones in muscle shoals were a little bit more uh, authentic as far as their artistry was concerned mm-hmm. they they wrote this stuff versus motown right and that's part of that too is, but i don't um, know that that's for sure to that, I, I saw that in a, a documentary well in addition like you see that where um the jackson five for example um mm-hmm. they did play their own instruments but because Barry Gordy's whole thing was about representation or a well, presentation, especially of mm-hmm. black people in, in a business that did not really cater to, and not even cater to, did not allow space for, excuse me, black people writ large, not really. And especially the kind of music that um, no Motown became famous for. His whole approach, of course, was to say, if you're going to be out there, it has to be very well curated. And you're basically in character, like as this artist, 24-7, because the way that things are set up, whether you like it or not, you speak for everybody in your demographic, right? Yeah. And so his artists were manufactured, but because of the way or the message that he was trying to send... And because of the way things are structured, in his case, mm-hmm. it's a little bit unique. It's not like when we say a manufactured artist now, it's kind of a dig because it's like, especially with pop music is concerned, it's like you really don't have to have much talent or you don't have to be able to, to do all of that, all that much because you have technology or people behind you um, to make you a star versus 
in Motown's case, they had the talent, but it was very curated through Barry Gordy's lens. Yeah, yeah. Cause it's like well, you, okay, because mm-hmm. go ahead. Because go ahead. the like like some of the the artists that went through Muscle Shoals are people like Aretha Franklin, mm-hmm. who who did write. You know who is who, who was an I well, she's passed also so was an artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, and so Aretha that, can yeah. sing. Like there's no disputing that, right? Like no. the talent <laughs> was there. We yes. Aretha Franklin could bring down the house, and we all know this, right? Uh, honestly, I'd rather listen to Aretha Franklin than Diana Diana Ross any fucking day. I'll just be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I, I I guess I like soul a little bit more than I like some of the stuff that come, came out of Motown. I liked a lot of stuff that came out of Motown, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I I prefer kind of like a an Aretha Franklin over Diana Ross. Mm-hmm. I can yeah. I mean I get that. I I'd rather listen to Aretha Franklin. I like Diana Ross, but um, as far as I think presentation wise, I I preferred Aretha Franklin and it's most more so again because of her voice. I like mm-hmm. Diana Ross and I like the Supremes um, because it is very light and catchy because that's the mm-hmm. other thing too when it came to Motown songs, you'll hear the same song just saying um, yeah. differently because there's Marvin Gaye's I Heard It Through the Grapevine, which is like the definitive version when you think of Heard It Through the Grapevine. Sure. But Gladys Knight and the Pips have the version of Heard It Through the Grapevine as well. I have. Yeah, okay. All right. I, I knew there was one other. Mm-hmm. I think I've heard that version also. Yeah. And it's not I think bad. I've heard that. It's not no. a bad thing, but it's. I like Gladys Knight and the Pips. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's a lot different. You hear. Yeah. Um, Come See About Me from from mm-hmm. the Supremes. And that's like the definitive version. But mm-hmm. then, I actually, no, uh, not Come See About Me. I do like that song. But uh, Shake Me, Wake Me When It's Over. You have the mm-hmm. Supremes version of it, and then you have the Four Tops version of it. But it's the same song. Yeah. You know? But those, yeah. th- it's manufactured, but it's manufactured in a way, um, given certain circumstances, um, and it, and not only it's manufactured, but it's built to stand the test of time. Because when you yeah, play yeah, the Four Tops version of Shake Me, Wake Me, it still sounds pretty damn good today that it mm-hmm. did 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. play um, Come See About Me, it still sounds um, as good as it did 50 years ago. Yep. Whereas I agree. D- Don't You, even though I like <laughs> Don't You personally, yeah, I do too. I'm not gonna but hear. Docha's not, not gonna be on the oldie station. No. Right. <laughs> you They're know. not. Nobody is gonna sit with a guitar and play Docha at Willie T's mm-hmm. on Duval Street in Key West, or or they're not gonna do the same thing in like Louisiana, like like Bourbon mm-hmm. Street. They're not gonna do that in any kind of like bar anybody would ever go to. <laughs> right. And I think maybe part of it is because like blues, soul. Um, Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Rock like, and roll is, it, yeah, it's, those, it's, it's done. Mm-hmm. Those genres, like, are more from 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 the people. It's more from, yeah. like, like authentic um, experiences for yes. the most part. I mean, you have your exceptions out there. But for the most part, it's more from literally the soul, right? And Whereas, some, some pop does translate okay. I, liked, I will give MTV this credit. I really liked when they had the unplugged. Mm-hmm. Because then you could have you could actually maybe see some artistry mm-hmm. of some of these groups 
you know, that, that because they're unplugged, so it's just them, guitar, you know, maybe a drum set, whatever, and then the them singing, to for them to be able to transpose that over mm-hmm. into, you know, not having screaming guitars is, like, to me, that, that helps, I think, with a little bit of, to promote some that of the, authenticity. the songs to be, yeah, and the it, authenticity, yeah. and to make it to where they're not throwaway songs. That way they do stand the test of time. Like, okay, who doesn't like Eric Clapton's two versions of Layla. One, there's the screaming guitar one, and it goes on, and they got played it in like a ton of gangster movies too, but, um, <laughs> well, you know, like uh, Goodfellas, Casino, uh-huh, right? Yeah. But, but, uh, but everybody, the one they play on the radio more often, believe it or not, is his MTV Unplugged Layla. Okay. Where it's just him with the guitar. And it's, it's, and it's really good, right? That's how I actually learned the words to it. What <laughs> 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 was that? <laughs> Because well, because sometimes you're like, I never understood what he said there, and he just said it out to where I could understand it. Yeah. <laughs> like that Mondo Green, yeah. this entire time, I was like, oh, that's what he was saying. Right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I did, I didn't know that Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks. Yeah. Was the Edge of mm-hmm. Seventeen? I always thought it was called White Wing Dove because that's what she says. <laughs> yeah, she does. Yeah. Then I have no. Yeah, I know that lyric, but I don't know all the rest of. <laughs> All I know is when Stevie, the white wing Stevie dove, Nicks. that's it. <laughs> okay, Stevie Nicks, yeah, right? Stevie Nicks is one of the, I have a love-hate relationship with her. Okay. I like her a lot. I like her personality. I think she's she's a woman of rock. I like that. But it's really hard for me sometimes to just not laugh at how, you know, somebody taught a goat to sing. <laughs> And, I, and I'm not, I'm no singer, right? I am no singer. I'm like just saying what I hear, right? And I'm, mm. again, I hate to say that she's made a living. And, and actually, if they taught a goat to sing in key, so, <laughs> you know, so it's good. But she also does not enunciate any of her songs. Yeah. So you can't understand a word of like 90% of her songs. It's like, <laughs> I have no idea what you just said there. So I'm, I'm one of those people that I will just sing what I hear. And uh-huh. yeah, that's how Mondegreens arise. I get that too. But Sometimes I'm not even saying words. I'm just <laughs> saying what the sounds are. Yeah. And Doug caught me doing that one time. He's like, "What did you just say?" I said, "I have no idea. I just I was just singing the sounds, like mm-hmm. the 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 phonics." Yes. Uh, and, oh and yeah. He's, and he's like, he's like, "Well, that's that's brilliant because I have no idea what the fuck she's saying." I said, oh, "Me yeah. neither." So I just say, you know, oh, I just yeah. sing what I hear, and it it sounds like I'm saying what she's saying. Exactly. Which, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, that that's how you do. <laughs> Any other songs where you don't know the words, you just kind of like yeah. like hum through it. Yeah. It was like, finally it's happened to me right in front of my face. Hide it. Yeah. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Throw, mm-hmm. throw in a couple consonants and a vowel yeah. here and there, and you got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. I was like, what did yeah. you say? I, whatever like, she I, said. But whatever yeah. she said, that's what I mimicked, and yeah. I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you do that with, listen to Missy Elliott. Yeah, it's everything in between. Yeah. Oh, like, okay. Uh, Oh my god, that song does kill me. But I see, like that song, but, see, but I have no she, idea what they sh- what the fuck she's talking about. We'll do I'm a, sure a, it's dirty, which I'm no, happy about, it, but still. No, no it's song. not. It, she's saying, okay. I put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it backwards. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you mm-hmm. go. <laughs> then, that's see, right. You told me that before. Yeah. yeah when we were talking but, about Mondegreens. Yeah. But that's the thing where it's like this, this song, and in her case, she was a producer before she became an artist. She was a songwriter Ooh, and yeah. a producer, so she knew how to, she knew how it worked. And yeah. just, and we'll, we can do a whole separate episode of her. We're going to wrap this up. But yeah. the whole thing was her and Timbaland 
um, yeah. were producers or whatever, and they designed their songs to be different. And because they were so different and unique, that's why they stood out. And that's why they stood yeah. the test of time. And kind of tying that back to Motown, in, 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 uh, for example, it was kind of the same thing. Even though their artists may have been manufactured by Barry Gordy, right? Because their sound was so different and unique mm-hmm. and in the space, again, where it's trying to expand um, uh, a space, that's part of the reason why in conjunction with the talent, that's part of the reason why those songs still um, resonate with people, right? I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's a space where that happens these days because it's so expansive. Yeah. Like if it does happen, you don't know where to find it. Yeah. None of the songs resonate with me these days. um, And a lot of them didn't in the aughts or the mid 2000s or 2010s, actually since about 1999, uh, <laughs> because I, I I don't I don't know. There's there's nothing. I listen to the song and I'm like, it doesn't touch me in any kind of way. Like, okay, tons of stuff in the 80s is all about sex and partying. Okay, mm-hmm. we've talked about that before, the party of the 80s. But that that resonated with me as a teenager. Of course, it did. And even now, as a grown up, that resonates with me. Okay. If Shebop doesn't resonate with people about masturbation, I don't know what does. <laughs> and from from City Lopper. But I mean, and girls just want to have fun, right? And pour some sugar on me. Um, I just, I'm just saying, those those were party songs, so they resonated with me more, right? Mm-hmm. But some of the songs now, I listen to it, I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't feel that in any kind of way. I don't know what you're trying to say. And how many runs can you put in one song? Right. To where it's like, after a while, it's like, okay, I, I get you got, you have the vocal range. I get that. I'm very, very pleased for you that you have the vocal range. But if you continue to do these runs, nobody can hum along with this. We're looking at you, and Christina me, Aguilera. Uh, well, exactly. Because <laughs> she's a genie in the bottle. Well, yes. you know what? I bet she fits. She's tiny, so I bet she does fit. <laughs> she is. She is very tiny. Her, her, her whole height is just her voice. Right? Honest to God. <laughs> That's it. That's it. She's like two foot tall. The other two feet of her is voice. Yeah, it's her vocal um, range. Yeah. <laughs> well, that and that's that's you know that's so to me like a lot of these songs I just I don't I don't understand. I mean, there's only you know seven subjects to talk about, but at the same time, it's like I don't I'm not I don't feel it. So mm-hmm. like even when you play songs like like Taylor Swift, I don't I don't feel her songs at all. I don't feel like I listen to it. And I'm like yeah no, it just doesn't it doesn't you know make me care about mm-hmm. anything but you know if you play something from like uh it doesn't hit uh yeah if you hear if you play something from like forever ago another chick if you play something from okay yeah you play something from aretha franklin it's gonna hit me right i'm, I'm gonna right. i'm gonna you know um uh, then or or if you play something by like carol king or uh, Joni Mitchell. I don't care what what's his name says. <laughs> Jan, whatever. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jan Winter or something. But those those do. And then, but then, if I listen to something by Prince, that that hits too. You mm-hmm. know, um, or or anything else I listen to. But I, and I I'm sure I know that a lot of teenage girls Taylor Swift really does it for them, and I think that's great. But I don't see like I okay I like Green Day mm-hmm. from the 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. But when I listen to their songs, it's like, ah, 
<laughs> so like when it's when it comes along on my shuffle of my liked songs on my Spotify, I skip it every time because it's just like yeah, you know, I, I like I like American Idiot, I, I I like you know Green Day, but it's like I'm not in the mood. I'm never in the mood to really listen to Green Day. But then Led Zeppelin will come on. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's do that one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not Stairway to Heaven, but, but you know, lots of their other. Same with Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd comes on. Oh, yeah, turn that on. Metallica. Oh, yeah, turn that on. Prince, oh, fuck it, yeah, turn that on. Right. You know, but, and Michael Jackson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially from my favorite album, mm-hmm. which is The Wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I think, I think, you know, I, I, uh, I'm happy for some of these artists. Uh, but I'm also sad for them because, like, most of them do go the way of pussycat dolls. Yeah. Yeah. They're up there just to, as a flash on purpose, and then they will go away. Okay, so you better spend your money wisely. Yeah. Save it. <laughs> if you got anything from it. If you yes, get save any, it. If save you got it. anything from yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Because. The, All right, we need to wrap up. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, we do. All right. Yeah. Because, yeah. and, and with that point, a lot of the times they'll flash. And then they'll yeah. they'll kind of go the independent route. A lot of times, yeah. it used to be you go independent and then and then move to your move to the major label. Like when you quote unquote mm-hmm. made it. Now it seems the reverse is is happening where yeah. you you're on the major label to kind of get your name out there. And so when you want to do your more stripped down or authentic or whatever uh, type of work, then you go independent. Yeah, it seems that way, but. We'll yeah. put a pin in that and continue that next time. So yeah, well, how, okay. Are we are we going to do? Uh, let's talk about Tina Turner next week. Yes. All right. We yes. will talk about Queen Tina Turner. Yes. Ha. Yes, I miss her. Alrighty. See, talk about staying power. Damn right. Best ladies. We'll in talk the about somebody who you know came back too. She she mm-hmm. had a resurgence like nobody. I mean, she was great. Yeah. Dang. Yes. I miss her. All right. So tell us where we can find. Speaking of music. Yes. So yes, my music. Make sure you listen to mm-hmm. it. Buy yes. it. Share it with it's your friends. It's great. <laughs> I promise you, it is great. It really is. Yes, it it resonates. At least I yes, hope it, it does. does. It does. It does. Uh, all right. Good. I I I feel it. Good. All right. So you can find my music on Spotify, Google Play, Rhapsody, YouTube, anywhere you stream music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can listen to it there. If you want a physical copy, you can get one off of Amazon or through mm-hmm. Z, uh, CD Baby. Um, so, you know, people still do physical copies. I know that's getting rare, but I hey. Do. Yeah. Um, you can have it in your hands like hotcakes. Yes. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, the link will be in the description. Um, yes. You can also find my music on another podcast. Uh, the podcast is called Women Committing Crimes. Yes. Uh, the songs there. Oh, I said my music. Yeah, but well, you can find my music in all those places. But what you're looking for is Square One. That's the name of the album. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. Right? right? Like, that yeah. Helps, yeah. Well, your music, but I mean, what's it called? So the name yeah. of the album is called Square One. Yes. Uh, and you can hear songs from that album on another podcast. A podcast called Women Committing Crimes. The songs mm-hmm. you can hear on that podcast are Forgive Me and Who. Um, if you listen to, if you stuck with us, you also heard Very Well I Know and Fall in Love With Me and Roadblocks, which is not on Square One, but it's on a new album that's in the works. That's all I can say yeah. for right now because, you know, COVID oh, right. ruined oh, right. everything. 
sure it set, it set some shit back, man. That's for sure. Just saying. That's for sure. It's an apt song. That's, that's all I could say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's a really good song. Actually, I think about that all the time. Oh, you know, when I, when I hear a song all the time, when I put stuff in front of myself, you know, self-sabotage and stuff. Uh-huh. And then I, and then I think about your song and it helps. Oh, it's definitely my anthem because, mm-hmm. you know, speaking mm-hmm. of self-sabotage. But anyway, that's a different <laughs> podcast episode. Yeah. Oh, we should. Yes. Yes. We'll have to do one about self-sabotaging. Yeah. Why, why we keep ourselves down. Uh-huh. What are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? So, yeah. Yeah. But Tina Turner first. Tina Turner first. We have and to honor her for sure. Um, what else? Oh, you can get in touch with us by emailing us mm-hmm. at offkilternofilter at yahoo.com. Yes. You can message us on Facebook or join our Facebook group, Off Kilter No Filter. And I don't really keep up with this, but Twitter, I guess, is now X. I'll still call it Twitter. And apparently, Elon Musty wants you to pay for it. So I don't know. If you still have Twitter uh, and you want to yeah. send us stuff, go for it. But. I, I never even check that. I'll uh, be honest with you. I, I never do. It's just I not my thing. I, I look when I post the, the episodes, okay. but yeah. you know, we Twitter know. is has always been a dumpster fire and you lit and yeah. you put accelerant on it with Elon Musk. So yes. Twitter will probably go yes. away. So email us. Yes. How about that? Yes. All right. Sounds good. Yes, please do. And all so, right, that's all I got. That's all I got, too. So we will see you guys next time. And yes. again, we're talking about Queen Tina Turner. Yes, we are. All right, love y'all. Bye.